I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the most haunted city on earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And today we have Megan Jones. Megan Jones. Ta-da! Yes, this is Megan, Chris's wife, and she is here to join us for today's ghost mail episode. Thanks for having me. Yes, Megan's so excited to be here for this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Megan loves spooky things. No, it's not true. (laughs) Well, and of course, we had to bring her and put her into the room with creepy things. I don't like her, and I wish I had sat somewhere else. Well... You get you get to sit right next to her oh, for the entire she's time. She's staring through the back of my head. She does that. Yeah, that's that's her thing. But yes, so um, if you didn't realize, um, Chris is a very spooky person, and spooky, so spooky. we've told multiple stories about Megan not enjoying Chris's various spooky activities. Um, actually, Megan, you want to real quick before we get into the ghost mail? Do you want to tell the story of how you met Chris? Oh, sure. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So um, the day we met, I invited him to play some board games, and we played some board games, and he left very quickly. He's like, I must go, and he stood up, and he whooshed out, and we're like, that was weird. And that night, me and some friends were walking to a party, and we decided to cut across Colonial Park Cemetery. We're like, it'll be quicker, just cut across. So we cut across the cemetery. It's twilight. Like, the sun's going down. They're about to close it, and we get to the other side, and there's Chris Susie back to the cemetery, hands behind his back in his long black trench coat that he was known for at the time. And we're like, isn't that that guy? Yes, it was him. And we're like, what are you doing here? Turns out he'd been locked out of his apartment, so he walked us to this party. I was in college at the time. So we walked to the party, but we stopped every three houses, and he told us a ghost story about that house, which, of course, it was not about that specific house. We were taking a weird path. But he told us ghost stories all the way to the party. And when we got to the party, imagine the typical, like, red cup party, but by the end, we're all just sitting in a circle while he's telling us ghost stories. And we're like, tell us more. What is this? And at the end, he made one man cry because that guy, (laughs) oh yeah, the great party. The guy had, he was like, I I get little piles of dirt in my house. I sweep them up, but there's always little piles of dirt all around. And Chris looks him in the face and goes, oh no. (laughs) And so this dude's crying and we're like, we have to go now. And so we actually got to ride back to town with Chris. And that was the first day we met. (laughs) That's incredible. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yes. Well, you have a habit of traumatizing people of your stories. I don't know. I, yes. Uh, well, it's funny because someone recently posted a podcast where they Gabby were Turner, re- right? retelling yeah. <laughs> yeah. the story from when uh, she was at a summer camp where I, I, I was teaching a storytelling uh, like class in, in, the, in the camp, and, and she told the traumatizing tale of... She's a witch now, so she's fine. <laughs> but it's uh, she's protected. Her name's Gabby Turner. She lives in Savannah, um, and she she does a lot of the witch workshops around mm-hmm. town. But 
She'll, she, she's, fine. she's fine. Everything's fine. But I just thought that was so funny. Um, Eni actually posted the podcast oh, right. in the in the fan base group. Yeah, Eni sent it to me and was like, I think you had a hand in this. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, I did. You're right. I love that. That's hilarious. Uh, well, now that you got to have one of Megan's ghost mails, I guess, <laughs> let's go ahead and dive right on in. Um, but first, we do want to thank a couple of our sponsors. So we do want to thank Cosmic Corner for sponsoring today. Uh, they are a local metaphysical shop here in Savannah. So if you need any witchy goods... You can definitely buy those from this lovely group of people. Um, they also have a website, so if you don't live in Savannah, you can still support them. It's shopcosmiccorner.com, and they are a queer-owned business. They're absolutely fabulous people. Um, they are an interfaith shop, so they have a multitude of different stuff that is outside of just, you know, like pagan witchcraft sort of stuff. They have lots of lots of goodies. So um, if you are inclined to buying metaphysical goods check them out um also we want to thank savannah repertory theater for sponsoring us as well they wanted to promote their upcoming production of empanada loca which when this is airing it uh should be coming up is this airing this tuesday Okay. It'll be cool. this Friday. Yeah, this Friday. This Friday, the 7th. The 7th. So it's going to be the 7th through the 10th, and then it's going to be the 14th through the 17th of September. So if you're in the Savannah area during those times, definitely come check it out. It's a play that is loosely based on Sweeney Todd, if you will. Inspired, I suppose. Inspired. Yes. Um, but yeah, it is it's going to be a really great way to kick off your spooky season officially. I know Absolutely. for us it's Halloween all year long, but right. it's, you know, uh, officially spooky season. And so it's going to be a fantastic production. The set's beautiful. The actor is really awesome, very talented. So it's just going to be a good time yeah, all around. It, it should be mentioned that it's a one-woman show. It is. It's, it's a one-woman one woman show. show. And it's, it's you know, Savannah Rep puts on phenomenal shows. Mm -hmm. By all means, go and check it out. Yes, so um, they yes support your local professional theater, y'all. It's 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 a good time. So, but with that, we do want to go ahead and dive right on in. So let's start out with this first ghost mail titled "A Shadow Man Wanted to Send This In." Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, so this comes from Maria Cruz. Hello again. I hope you all are doing well. I'm a para-junkie now. Yay, thank you, Maria, for becoming a para-junkie. I had originally wanted to send in a different story. It was already typed up, and I was going to send it instead of this one. It wasn't of my own choosing to send you this one instead. Maria, are you okay? Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um. Before I move on to that... I have included some answers to your question from my last ghost mail titled My Shadow Friend at the Very End, um, which I do remember, the shadow friend one, which right. we get a lot of shadow people sort of mail. But getting back to the point, I was going to send a ghost mail that included the paranormal experiences I dealt with from age 13 to 22. I was at... Uh, I was a steady, or it was a steady interaction with a few spirits that was the precursor to my shadow friend. Well, something in my house this morning was clearly not okay with that. To give more information, I live in a tiny home in the middle of the woods in a small town in South Carolina. My husband and I have seven acres, but we only have made an acre or two cleared. 
When I came to the, his house the very first time, I could sense there was just something off about the land. There's this constant sensation of being watched. Swell. Um, my husband doesn't agree, but he's not exactly someone who believes in the paranormal. And this is a, and also this is pretty long, but details matter. I agree. So since moving in here, I have seen several spirits and other beings, not sure what else to call what I saw. I never felt threatened by any of them, and they've been fairly quiet. We recently expanded our tiny house. It was originally a 12-foot by 24-foot home. Now it's a 24-foot by 24-foot. And uh, the recently added expansion is not completely finished yet, but we have already moved our things into the space, and we are actively using it. My husband has built our house by himself, so living in construction has become normal. I woke up this morning and began getting ready for work as one does when I turned off my bedroom light. I could see something sitting or someone sitting in the recliner in our bedroom. There was enough light coming from the kitchen for me to make out a figure. I didn't think anything of it and continued my morning. Um, While continued to walk, I heard turn around in this weird gravelly voice in my head. As I mentioned in my last ghost mail, seeing spirits and hearing them in my head is just so normal for me now that I don't usually freak out over experiences anymore. I ignored the voice and continued my morning and started making my latte. I began having vivid flashbacks, I think is what uh, you could consider it, of a series of dreams I had years ago. The images began cycling through over and over. My ears began ringing very loudly, but I just continued with my latte. Ringing in my ears is normal for me when I can feel that there is a presence near me. As I was putting my creamer and iced coffee back into the fridge, the ringing became so loud it was almost disorienting. I slammed the fridge door shut and loudly shouted, what, what is so important at 8.30 in the morning that you are throwing a temper tantrum? Normally, I don't react this way with spirits, but the ringing was just a bit of an overkill in my opinion. <laughs> I walked into the bedroom and didn't see anything, but I could feel some something in the room with me. Now, you don't even want to stand here and speak to me? I asked as I walked back out of the room. When you walk out of our bedroom, you walk into the back part of the kitchen, and if you turn right, the office is there. I walked out, turning left, and paused to text my friend Nick back. As I looked at my phone, I could see movement out of the corner of my eye. I slowly looked over to the bedroom entryway and saw a head and shoulders of a shadow figure hanging upside down looking at me. Uh, okay. I don't like that at all. No, no, no. No, no, no. Now, I, chose, <laughs> I chose the not today uh, thought process and walked into the kitchen. 8.30 a.m. was just too early for this type of experience. LOL. The second I reached the counter, all I could hear in that same voice was, office, office, go to office. Standing in my kitchen, I began to internal the internal debate of, is this a good idea? The flashes of the dreams began again with the same ringing. To avoid the ringing growing loud as hell again, I decided to walk into the office. The office is my husband's. It's uh, it houses all of his video game consoles, games, DVDs, and our computers. I used my MacBook to type my stories for you guys, so I needed to grab it anyway before heading to work. I was standing in the office and asked, well, what is it? I'm in the office. I stood there in anticipation for what felt like forever, but in reality was probably two minutes. Again, in my head, I heard office, right, and then got flashes of the dreams. I picked up my MacBook and turned around to walk back out. 
Now, as I mentioned, uh, this part of the house is still in construction. Our house looks like a log cabin, so our walls consist of wooden planks. The wall of the office that faces into the bedroom is only half completed. As I turned, I saw the shadowy figure standing there, only from the shoulders up and the gap in the wall. So here I am typing this out for you guys, because if this was so important to this being that I share these dreams, then I guess I'm going to do that. I do think it is weird that I was pushed so heavily to share dreams and not an actual experience. So here we go. My grandmother passed away on July 11th, 2020. She was the light of my life. She was a sweet lady, your average Southern Christian woman with a little bit of a crazy side. I was never honest with her about my own religious beliefs. That bit is important. She was closed-minded to, in the sense of anything outside Christianity was bad. The gays were bad. Tattoos were bad, specifically on women. I was a goth kid growing up, covered in piercings and eventually tattoos, and she loved me regardless, and I never held any of that against her. When I was 21, she began declining with Alzheimer's, and I didn't know how to cope with her not knowing who I was. So I stopped visiting and couldn't bring myself to see her on her deathbed. I've never lost anyone before, so it was a very new experience for me. About a week or so after her death, I had so some very weird and intense dreams. In the first dream, I was standing in line at a funeral home to see her body. The funeral director said that we would each get a few minutes alone with her due to COVID or something along those lines. A bell would ring when you, your time would begin and you were halfway th- and when you were halfway through and when it was over. The first bell rang and I walked into the room. Everything was beige. Her casket was a beautiful cherry wood with gold hardware. The silence was eerie and the air felt thick and tense. As I looked down on her in her casket, she looked the same as she always had. Her hair was curled the way she liked it. Her makeup was perfect. She was wearing pastels, which were were her favorite. The second bell rings and the whole energy of the room shifts. Her eyes fly open, revealing solid white pits that weren't solid white eyeballs. It was like two white holes. Her voice was hers, but there was an underlying tone that there was something deeper. She raised out of her coffin and grabbed my shoulders as she continued climbing out. I know, JT's freaking out. I know, I know now you are a daughter of Satan himself. You're going to go to hell, you know, she said. I shoved her off and began scrambling away from her. She was on the ground, crouched unnaturally in front of, uh, in front of me. You're wanted at home. You're home in hell, she said. There was a brief pause of silence. I was trying to wrap my mind around what I was looking at, who I was looking at. Come home, come home, come home, she began screaming. I was frozen to the ground. I couldn't move. Even breathing felt hard. The third bell rang and everything was back to normal. She was in her casket and I was on the floor shaking. When I woke up from the stream, I didn't understand what she was saying to me. Obviously, I knew she what she said, but its meaning made no sense to me. I've always felt more at home, if you will, with the spookier side of life. With this taking place after my last ghost mail, I had fully accepted working with Lucifer and embracing that side of my life. I was embracing the side of myself I had shoved away for so long. So Lucifer was very important to me then and still is now. I am a heavily tattooed individual and I was in the process of designing a full stomach and chest piece. I decided to get the sigil of Lucifer in the center of my chest piece. 
I thought long and hard about it, and I felt as if it was the correct thing to do for myself. And to this day, I still stand by that. This is relevant for the next dream, mind you. I had gotten the tattoo yet at the same time. Uh, uh, I hadn't gotten, uh, gotten the tattoo yet at the time of dream two. The second dream occurred a few days later, and I was feeling just as intense. I was in a building I didn't recognize. The walls were very dark, and the room was empty. I was standing there with my friend Nick and several other people I didn't recognize. At least not yet. I was under the impression we were in a paranormal investigation and we were waiting on responses. I stood there looking around the room and noticed a very tall figure in the corner. This figure was approximately seven feet tall with gray skin. The skin wasn't like alien gray, but more of a deceased sort of gray. It had long black hair and random chunks on its head, a thicker belly area, and was naked. I remember grabbing Nick's hand and asking him if he saw it. Of course, he didn't see anything, which was unnerving. The creature began circling the room. The other people there seemed to be completely oblivious to it. I began shaking and explaining what it looks like to Nick. The creature then begins speaking. They can't see me, just you. It continues stalking around the room. I closed my eyes and began taking deep breaths. Overreacting in a situation is never good. I wanted to handle the experience as calmly as I could for the safety of everyone else there. Don't ignore me, marked one, it said. The voice was deep and clear and sounded familiar, but I couldn't place it. When I opened my eyes, I saw it standing there in front of me. I was able to get a better view of its face. It had deeper set eyes that looked human, a larger nose, a thicker bottom lip with a thinner one on top. His features were pale gray and a deeper gray. It took its long bony finger with its gray skin drooping off of it and pointed at my chest. Its long nail traced the sigil into my skin and made direct eye contact. You need to know your, pl uh, your place, marked one. Home is waiting for you. I squeezed Nick's hand tighter and Nick asked, what's wrong? As I turn to look at him, the creature is standing right behind him. I can take him, you know, the creature says. I could make him see me, marked one. I could take him from you. I placed my hands on each side of Nick's face and began crying and saying, please just look at me, only me, don't look away. I felt absolutely helpless. The creature then says, learn of your place in hell, marked one, and I woke up. Nick has been my best friend for the last 16 years. We are very connected through the paranormal. For example, whenever we would get into an argument and stop speaking, I would always see tons of suns and moons. The sun and moon are essentially the symbols of our friendship. I would also see him in dreams and would hear different spirits say his name. He would always end up calling me and telling me he heard someone scream my name at him and could never see any sort of spirit along with it. We have even had the same dreams and have had experiences together. I really think the dreams were messages and the creature in the second dream had to be aware, had been aware of my connection with Nick. I didn't end up be meeting the other people that were in the dream. They were starting a satanic church in the area. I formed a good relationship with them until one night when we were using the Ouija board after a sermon. The board refused to talk to anyone but me. I'm 100% certain that no one was moving the planchette for their own benefit. The spirit claimed to be someone called Sam, uh, Samal, uh, Samael. Samael. Samael, thank you. It referenced 666, 
multiple times and would talk of a marked one. When I tell you I saw my soul leave my body when I was, I said, or it said marked one. Guys, I didn't tell anyone about that except for Nick, and he doesn't know these people. I stopped going to the sermons after that, not because of the experiences or the board, but after that night, I really felt as though I saw the preacher's true self, and I didn't want to be associated with someone like him. I felt as though he saw me as some sort of sign from the universe, and I just wasn't feeling it. I've seen several different claims as to who Samael could be. Um, I've seen that he is listed as the main angel of death and also listed as the king of the demons. I did end up getting the sigil tattoo a few days after dream two. I haven't been referred to as the marked one in any dreams or experiences since then. As I said in the beginning, I really had no intention of sending this particular set of dreams slash experiences in. However, the shadow figure was pretty intense about it. So why not? I typed this while sitting at work, and when I got home, I read it out loud in my house. I read it aloud to catch grammar errors, but I wanted the shadow to know I was serious about sending this to you guys. Again, I don't really understand why it wanted me to send this so badly. The shadow figure lingered around my house the rest of the night, and when I woke up the morning, he was still there. I made sure I said, I'm sending it today as I was leaving the house. I'm curious to see what you guys think because I have no idea what to even think about this shadow being so adamant. Well, goodness, Maria. Um, that is a lot. Um, that is a lot. <laughs> and there's a lot of interesting... Parts uh, of that, for facets sure. Facets to it, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, yes, I have, I have thoughts <laughs> yes. uh, regarding it. But um, uh, let's, let's talk to Megan, who is... Uh, I have thoughts. <laughs> move out of your house. Move out of your house. It's time to move. Get out of there. Shadow people. Do you think it would follow her if she moved? Probably. I think it came with her. I mean, I think yeah. it's hers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. I think, yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this that are layers of going all the way to things that I don't think you could even control if you wanted to. Um, if you're in the mindset of believing in deities outside of the Christian facet, then you're probably already familiar with the fact that you can have matron or patron deities. And from what it seems like is that your patron deity might be Lucifer in the way of like, you didn't get an option in that say, it's just something that's going to eventually happen and you're going to be forced into that relationship. Um, and unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you see it, um, that can come with a lot of really horrifying things uh, because it, it, depending on the different deities that you work with, they have different signs of showing you things. Um, and also with Lucifer specifically, from my understanding of it, is that it comes with a lot of other entities as well, like his... Legion. Yeah, I, yeah, I was, that's a better word for it. I was like, I don't want to say minions, um, but, you know, it's like his lesser entities, if you will, which could very have well been um, what the shadow person was, especially if you hadn't seen it prior to, you know, these this intense situation of being like, hey, write this out. You need to uh, understand this. 
But what really leads me to believe that it was a patron deity sort of situation is the fact that in these streams you're being referred to as the marked one. And a lot of times with these darker deities, it comes with very nightmares or things like that. You see with the Morrigan, um, the Morrigan's notorious for giving you horrific nightmares and things like that. When it says the marked one, is it more about the tattoos or it's more about... The soul. The interesting thing about it is how it plays out because it plays out prior to the marking the um, and that the dream stopped once you took mm-hmm. on a marking, which in, in certain ways, what I see is basically a story of a free agent, you being the free agent. You have a pantheon of figures vying for you. Uh, it wasn't, it was, you know, you, you chose the mark of Lucifer and you chose Lucifer as your patron. And I think that was a part of all that's going for it. But it sounds like there was many looking for your patronage, looking for you right. to, I to accept that. their patronage. The fact that it was before the marking suggests that it might have been Samuel, Samuel asking for you to take on him. Mm-hmm. It could have been anything. And we go back to your grandmother. And the interesting thing about the grandmother experience dream is that you obviously came from a world where there was open discussion about heaven, hell, demons, devils, things of that nature. And what happens is it's a manifestation. You're dealing with Christian ideology versus your own sensibility. You don't get to shake off what was created in those other ideas. You don't get to shake off what Lucifer means to them. You don't get to shake off what evil or demons are to the people who raised you or gave you any insight to that. And since you were exposed to it, that means those entities existed in that form, in the form of the dark and the evil and hell and all those things. So the fact that you were exposed to the belief structure that allows those things to be dark and devious and destructive, you are uh, easily a target of that brand of being. Um, Lucifer is not. If, if you're following through with, with pagan ideals and, and, and if you're following through with, uh, with even like uh, uh, how the Church of Satan uh, uh, categorizes these things, he does not fulfill the role that has been put upon him through the faith structure. But that doesn't mean that that role doesn't exist and isn't being fulfilled right. in that namesake, that there is a Lucifer that registers, you know, as, as the devil, as the, as the fallen morning star, as the entity that everyone recognizes almost immediately as Satan. So, because that entity exists in the minds and hearts and beliefs of others, it exists in the world, and you're going to have to deal with it. And as you start making progress towards your faith or your belief, you're going to have to find the pieces of you that harbor or hold pieces of that, you know, the remnants of that version of Lucifer or that version of the demons because it's a struggle. It's a struggle with faith to recognize your God 
your spiritual, you know, higher self against what you've been told, what you've been, what you've learned, what, Mm -hmm. what is out there. So, you know, it is, it is so very difficult, but, um, but a visitation by Samael is not great. (laughs) Um, and almost exclusively Samael comes in dreams. So, you know, there is, there is a lot to unpack with all of that. And that's a long discussion, but to suggest that, yeah, it's possible that what you're really looking at is a battle for your soul. Mm. Who gets it? Where is home? Where do you go home to? Is your home the house of Lucifer? Is your home the house of Christ? Is your home the house of Samael? Is your home any number of places? And were you marked by the journey? You are on your way to finding a home. And they're calling you to a home. They're asking you to come home. They're telling you to go home. But which home? Um, The fact that they would say hell is kind of hilarious because hell is a many splintered thing. (laughs) Even in the most, you know, common version, it's in what, nine circles. So Mm -hmm. you, 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 you have to come to this, this understanding at the very least that you are dealing with ideologies that you're going to have to negotiate with just to have peace. Um, even when you make the right decision, even when you make, you know, uh, if you've ever found or met somebody whose faith is overwhelming, they're so secure in their faith, they're so nothing can penetrate it, they have, they have made that full choice. But if you're still on the road, if you're still learning your path, if you're still trying to build the foundation of a faith, then you're susceptible to anyone who's like, oh, this one's looking for something to believe in. And I guarantee you, when you believe in something, that thing becomes significant and stronger and more powerful. And that's how religion's supposed to work. <laughs> and that's how it, you know, the, the people uh, pay homage and, and, and give of themselves to whatever specific entity. And that entity thrives on your worship. That's what the worship is for. That is why every faith is really built on gathering as many worshipers because the more worshipers it has, the more power and potency the, you know, force has. So, um, so yeah, we could be talking about this for a long time, but um, there's so but much it's very, to go into that. It's, it's a very interesting, it's very interesting that, that uh, you were being pressed to, to send it in to anyone because my guess is, if I had to guess, uh, a shadow entity is out there trying to say you need to solidify your faith and you have to face the the false versions of the thing you believe in because they still dwell somewhere in your consciousness they still mm-hmm. dwell somewhere in you there is the false version or and i say false but the alternate versions the the um equally believed in but not the one you're wanting <laughs> versions and you might need to just hear that there's room for exploration. Right. There's room to 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 say, oh, you know what? I've been holding on to X, Y, and Z, and that is keeping me from a more pure understanding of what I believe in. Well, and if anything, 
in just a simplistic point of view of um, why it would have wanted you to write it out or send it to us. That could have been a part of your shadow work that you mm -hmm. needed to be doing. Absolutely. On yourself. Um, it, maybe it's breaking down that religious trauma of whatever it is that you might have. I imagine she has a lot of guilt, too. Right. The fact that she has this woman in her life, her grandmother, who she idolized and then pulled away from when her path was leading her away from the religion her grandmother subscribed to, and then to have her pass away without seeing her, and then to show up in a dream after that. There might be some shadow work needed to be done for the guilt she's feeling, you know, and the dream is about projecting that back onto her. Like, Absolutely. address this because it is hurting your soul. Right. Well, it becomes the specific demon. Exactly. You know, um, that guilt, because any emotion we have is a form of faith. We feel it, even if it's unwarranted, even if it doesn't, you know, uh, amount to truth unquote quote unquote truth it, it's belief because you've invested a, an emotion into it you've invested a feeling into it so if it's a feeling of guilt even if it even if it's not a, a, a situation of guilt but there's a feeling of guilt that means you believe somewhere in you the act you know the pain so yeah it, it, it sounds like a, you're being called to reconcile mm -hmm. but if anything could be a really good short film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, just that dream by itself. Yeah. The white you know, eyes. Just oh, the white man. eyes. Just the, you know, any, any instance of somebody, you know, coming out of a coffin. Um, but really, when you think about it, that that plays out in such a way where you're 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 questioning the weight of choices, right. the weight of 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 the journey. It's not easy if you're working with deities or mm. things like that. They're going to demand things of you. They're going to hold you to a higher standard and you don't get to ignore. Um, and they're going to try to remove all chinks in the armor. True. You know, all chinks in your faith, all all places that could be exploited by other, uh, you know, um, by other faiths to, you know, to try to pry it open and say, oh, look, here is a, a, a bit of that you know, doubt a bit of that fear, a bit of that grief and, and, and guilt, and they will pick at it, you know, utilizing all the tools at their considerable um, library of, 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 of guilt extraction. But also with Lucifer comes other deities oftentimes, it's if he's true. your patron deity. So I would keep your eyes open for that as well, because there is a slew of different ones that often come hand in hand. Um, and again, there's a handful that use the same, um, the Methods. same moniker, yeah. the same name, you True. know, uh, your Lucifer may not be the same as other, uh, faith groups, Lucifer. So we have time for one more after that. Um, but thank you, Maria, for sending that yep. in. Um, and we didn't get into the rest of the email, which had like answers to the last ghost mail, but we'll have to do that <laughs> in a separate one. Um, because that was just a lot that needed to be unpacked, but Thank you for sending we'll have to that do in. Like uh, an episode of follow ups because I think we get a couple mm -hmm. of those follow ups. So, and if, if you sent in a ghost mail and have follow ups, please send them in. Exactly. Um, and if you also have a ghost mail that you want to send, you can send it to ghostmail at hauntedcitypodcast.com. Um, we've gotten a slew of them 
in like the past like three days so uh, we're gonna work through those but definitely send in the ghost mails and also we've gotten a few questions as well um because i know people have been messaging us on tiktok and stuff we get a lot of messages of random things so i it's, i don't usually check those often so if you want to make sure that it gets through to us send it to ghost mail because that's going to be the best way um but yes, so this last one is from, so this is titled Ghost Mail. I think I'm sensitive to spirits. Hello, I'm going to omit some names in this story out of respect and would like my name. Oh, it, they said also to have their name not be used, Jay. I did not read that, so cut the name. Sorry, I did not see that. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, so I'll restart that. Hello, I'm going to omit some names in this story out of respect and would like my name to also not be used. I absolutely fell in love with the podcast after seeing the TikTok where Chris tells the story about the Smurfs. Smurfs. <laughs> ah, yes. Of course. Smurfs. Everybody loves Smurf theory, I guess. <laughs> but <Yeah>. it's <laughs> Smurf theory. Smurf theory. What do you want to know? Next year, we'll go after the uh, um, gummy bears. <laughs> Ooh, yes. I then look. Um, I then looked you all up on Apple Podcasts and started binging and started following on YouTube. I've had several strange experiences throughout my life. Some I could explain away, some not so much. Um, my first experience happened when I was 16 years old. One night, I was um, I had stayed up way too late watching TV. And I had finally fallen asleep and suddenly had the strongest urge to wake up. I opened my eyes and was startled by a young boy and girl. They looked about five or six years old, just standing silent, silently next to my bed. The boy was wearing a child's suit and the girl in a white dress. Oh, God. Okay. Um, their clothes looked something like a small child in the 80s or 90s would wear. They both had soft white glow around them, and they seemed so real, but I could see the dress in the other side of the room through, through them. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, I wasn't afraid, more confused as to who these kids were. I got the feeling that they were siblings. They didn't say anything, and they were there until I decided to sit up in bed. That was the only time I ever saw them. Fast forward to 2021, I had been a paramedic for about five years and had become incredibly close to my shift supervisor. He had become my mentor and best friend. I gave birth on November 18th, 2021 to the youngest of my three kids, and he came to visit me at the hospital while he was on shift. We laughed and talked when just before he left, he told me we would be working a marathon the city um, that we live in hosts every year. We said our goodbyes, and I told him to be safe. Little did I know at the time, that was the last time I would see him alive. The next day, my EMT partner called me with the terrible news that he had been in an accident at the race and was in the ICU at the same hospital I was in. I was eventually discharged and was struggling with the postpartum depression involved in a toxic relationship that was worsening and worried about my best friend. One night, I had a dream where my supervisor had come to my house with my partner. I don't remember what the beginning of the conversation was about my supervisor, but he had started walking back to the ambulance services supervisor, uh, the ambulances, ambulance services supervisor truck. 
I remember becoming extremely saddened and have began to follow him, begging him to stay longer. He turned to me and my partner and I and smiled. He hugged me and said, I'm so proud of you. Keep pushing yourself to be great. He let go and I started crying. He turned to my partner and said, I have to go. Take care of her and make sure she takes care of herself. She is going to need you. He turned and walked away. I felt like screaming and begging him to stay again, but could not in the dream make a sound no matter how hard I tried. When the truck drove away, I was woken by my phone ringing. It was my partner. He apologized for waking me up, but he wanted to tell me about this crazy dream he had had about our supervisor. I reassured him that his phone call was fine and said, you know, I had a dream about him too and asked if he wanted to, if he wanted to meet up. It was 3 a.m. and we agreed to meet at a local Waffle House. He goes on to tell me about him um, dreaming, dream fighting the urge to cry. My heart started racing when he recounted the exact same dream I had. I stared at him for a second and told him that I had the same dream. We sat in silence for a few minutes and I think deep down we both knew what was going to happen next. Later that day, we received the news that our beloved supervisor had passed. The news came to no surprise to us, but was still heartbreaking. As I sat on the couch grieving the loss of my best friend, I thought about the dream and what he said to me and my partner suddenly made sense. I believe it was his way of saying a final goodbye and making sure I had support that he knew I needed at the time. I have other stories about crazy dreams I've had and people close to me before and after they have passed away. I would love to hear what your thoughts on the dream the ghost kids are. Keep up the amazing work on the podcast. Love you guys. Well, um... So, we'll start off by saying that the most common ghost story that I've ever heard, and I have interviewed thousands, if not tens of thousands of people, is on the night my blank died, they visited me in a dream the night my mother died, on the night my uncle died, they visited me in a dream. That is far and away the most common ghost story of them all. And it makes 100% sense because people tend to focus on ghost stories that are bloody and gory and scary uh, and, you know, murder. Um, but the truth of the matter is the most likely path back from the other side is love. You're going to be able to reach out to the people you love. You're going to be able to utilize this last moment, these last human energies on this plane to express your love, to send a message. And so without a doubt, that is, you know, quite classically a, um, a ghost story, uh, especially if it's a shared dream, the fact that mm. two people have mm -hmm. the shared dream. Um, I've heard that several times before people who all get the visit the same night, same time. And, and, and when they all get together, they're like, oh, you know, she visited me last night and she told me to do X, Y, and Z or, or whatever. So I think that that is um, pretty cut and dry, just a classic ghost story. And, and, and you should cherish it as such, a, a, somebody reaching from beyond the veil to express their love for you. Um, creepy children ghosts, no. That's bad. No, 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 just a big no. I, 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 I'm not, uh, I'm not a fan of creepy children ghosts. And I think we've said this on the podcast mm -hmm. before, but um, when children pass, uh, they actually have more autonomy as a ghost 
than most adult ghosts. And that is because they haven't been burdened with a lifetime of rules about how ghosts behave and what ghosts can and cannot do and, and what it even means to be dead. Uh, when, when you die very young, you don't have a lot of information about a transition from being alive to being dead. So it just seems like another part of being alive. And so they don't have to feed on the same energies that, uh, say, an adult ghost who has some understanding of death and, moreover, the understanding that they don't belong. You know, that sensation alone keeps ghosts quiet, keeps ghosts from interfering with life. They tend to become lurkers and watchers and ultimately shadows because they know they don't belong. Kids, not so much. They'll show up and they'll just start poking you in the face. That's so. true. Well, and it sounded like almost um, the outfits that you would bury a child in in the 80s and 90s. That's exactly. That was another thing I was like, I don't really know kids' outfits from the 80s and 90s. I, I yeah. mean, I don't know how to differentiate them per se. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact that you had a sense of the time mm-hmm. tells a lot about because even if it wasn't a matter of I recognize this clothing from this period, it suggests that somewhere in your in your being was a, a notation where you're like, I can identify that this is children of the 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s, um, which which raises questions as to who they are, what happened. Is it is it locally bound? Or did you happen upon, you know, a place where they were hanging out and they latched onto you, followed you home? Which is also a common thing. A lot of people think that every ghost encounter is, it happened in this house, and that's not true. Sometimes a ghost will see you and be like, I'm just going to hang on to this person. Right. And they follow you home. Which, by the way, if any of you ever go on a paranormal investigation, do not go directly home. Stop somewhere first. And it's funny, because our go-to was like Waffle House. You go to like a Waffle House, or you go to a place where you can rest and relax, and those ghosts might just dislodge from you so that you are not bringing the ghost directly home. Right. <laughs> You're bringing them to a, another place. We got strong rules about bringing ghosts home yeah. around here. <laughs> yes. Although the Waffle House was the only place open after a ghost hunt. We're right. finishing at 3, 4 a.m. And it's like, where do you go? The Waffle House. And they knew us there. They're like, oh, yeah, thanks for your ghosts. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's a little more than a 20% tip. We leave you with ghosts. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> so it's possible that the Waffle Houses are just terribly haunted mm. because people are coming from their ghost house having you know uh, a waffle and then going home also a whole different episode idea but did you know that there are so many waffle houses where people have been killed Mm -hmm. yeah it's like absolutely thing it is it is like a laundry list and a lot in south carolina too well let's just say waffle houses being Mm -hmm. open all the time and always uh, the elements that end up at a Waffle House can be dangerous, can be, you know, um, uh, just the idea of you get out of the bar and you were pretty rowdy in the bar and you're like, I'm hungry. You go and now you're rowdy in a Waffle House. That's true. Um, because there's even an SNL skit about like the the goings on at a Waffle House where they're showing like a scene of, 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 of a couple having a breakup, but behind them is a Waffle House where there's just this brawl, this big fight going on. Could you on. imagine haunting a Waffle House, though? Because that's where you got killed. That kind of mm-hmm. sucks. Although, 
Waffles. Waffles. All waffles. <laughs> All the waffles. Say. Those hash browns, though. Um, um, Forever waffles. I mean, that's where they went at yeah. 3 o'clock in the morning to Hashtag haunted her. waffle house. Can you get Waffle House to sponsor you next? I would love that. Yes, yes please. please. <laughs> JT, work on that. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, we will come and eat Waffle House live. On our, on we our will streams. go to where Todd Kohlhepp <laughs> killed that person at the Waffle House that's right. in Spartanburg. Because that's what the people really want is the ASMR of you eating waffles while mm. telling ghost stories. Yes. Ghost story syrup. Oh, mm. gosh, no. But anyways. <laughs> ghost well, syrup. <laughs> oh, God. Well, now we're on this weird note. Uh, we can. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and wrap things up what? here. What? I know. As enthralling as ghost syrup can be. You know, it's. um. <laughs> Mm. Mm, ghost like, syrup. Just late at night, ghost hunting. You're like, I taste syrup. syrup. <laughs> Ghostly syrup. Ooh, I mean, if you if they maybe worked on a maple syrup. Also, bond. and I've seen this in in many movies. Um, strange fluids don't taste them. You see a strange fluid on the ground. Don't, don't do that. But what if it's syrup? Don't do it. But it could be <laughs> syrup. It could be syrup, but don't. That should well, be. A that good was the other thing. Is like blood. People like. Oh, that's blood. blood. It's like don't it's like, do that. Don't do that. <laughs> that's that's not good. That's a great way um, to live your life in general is don't taste strange fluids. Taste I feel like we could shorten fluids. that to don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't do don't it. Don't do it. That's, that's our new motto. Just, I, do, I want it on a t-shirt. Just don't do it. Just don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't do it. But thank you guys so much for watching today's episode. And thank you, Megan, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes. And in the next uh, episode, well, Saturday's episode, you'll get to see Megan again in the most unhinged episode we've ever filmed. So definitely keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Um, But yes, with that being said, my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And stay spooky, y'all.